Good morning. It's good to see you. It's good to be home. Uh, I have been away for a couple of weeks. I uh, have actually been on a mission trip uh, to Europe. And you say, well, I'd like to go on one of those. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I spoke a few weeks ago and talked about how the kind of the gravitational center of Christianity at one point was in Europe. It's kind of shifted. And uh, so I was there uh, speaking to leaders, uh, actually looking for partnerships on how we can impact um, Europe for God, return Europe to God. In most countries that I went to, there are about 2%, a little less than 2% of the population that uh, are evangelical Christians that would attend church like we are uh, this morning. 2%, if you can imagine that. And uh, I was able to meet with some incredible leaders uh, from seven or eight different nations. I would move about every two or three days. Some days it would be, you know, a handful of leaders. Some days it would be hundreds uh, that I would meet to and, and speak with. And it really came away encouraged about what God has in store there and uh, how we can partner uh, in that area. And I'll probably be sharing more uh, with you about that uh, in the future. But it was a great trip. And you know what was uh, kind of nice about it? is I would stay up uh, on Saturday night, uh, especially Sundays I would usually be speaking somewhere. But I'd stay up on Saturday night and I would join with uh, you guys worship by internet uh, on the internet campus. And so I want to say hey to everybody that's on the internet campus. I was one of you for the last couple of weeks. Seth Ferrier doing a great job pastoring that group and the team there. I want to say hey to all the off-site campuses and those of you in the, in the uh, warehouse and also uh, in the chapel. Uh, we're glad that uh, you guys are uh, along too. And so since I watched the last couple of weeks, basically what I'm going to do is clean up some heresy uh, that uh, especially my brother kind of spread around a couple of weeks ago, you know. And, and uh, No, actually the teachers were awesome. And this has been a great series. I hope you've enjoyed the New Normal series. It's just really been, really been, uh, I've loved it. And I'm going to continue it today. You know, it's Kind of, kind of funny um, that Paul in Galatians, if you notice, if you've been reading Galatians, he says the same thing over and over and over again. And what, what our job has been is to teach the word without saying the exact same thing over and over again. But to the Galatians, he says, you know, you started out great. You know, you came to Christ and, and you believed the gospel and then something happened. You had teachers that came in, false teachers came in, tried to lead you astray, and you went back underneath the law. And he said, it's crazy. It's crazy. There's a new normal, a new way to live, and it's not the law. And so we've been teaching about that. A couple of weeks ago, I taught about, um, about three weeks ago, I guess, I taught, I tried to teach as simple a gospel message as I could so that we would understand what the gospel means and the fact that we're out from under the curse of the law and that we're under the blessings of the law unless we go back and we live in legalism. And so that's what Paul was dealing with, was legalism, and how do you stay away from that? Then we come to Galatians chapter 6, which is where we're going to be studying today. And he said there's a new law, and there's a new way. It's the law of Christ. You need to fulfill the law of love. And the law of Christ is what? Love one another. Love God with all of your heart. Uh, Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Basically, to do good. And that's what he talks about in Galatians chapter 6. And I want to, again, this is going to be simple. It's going to be as simple as I can make it, uh, but it's not 
it's not easy. How many of you know that simple things are oftentimes not easy? But I want, I, I want to teach today from Galatians chapter 6, uh, which is one of my favorite uh, books of the Bible, and kind of my life verse is Galatians 6, 9. So we're going to frame it kind of all around Galatians 6, 9. It's the central verse in there. I'm going to take the first 10 verses of Galatians, and we're going to talk about how to fulfill the law of Christ, how to do good. Say this with me. God is good all the time. Say it again. God is good all the time. So how much, how often do you think God wants you to be good? How often are you good? Occasionally, okay? This section right over here was occasionally. This one was mostly. So what we want to do is we want to talk about how to do good. How to do good. How to fulfill the law of Christ. So I'm going to read... Galatians 1 or Galatians 6 1 and 2 and then I'm going to uh, I'm going to skip the next few verses because we're going to bring them back in as we as we study and then we're going to read Galatians 6 9. Now this message was crafted on an airplane. It's being delivered with a bit of jet lag so give me some give me some space here but your outline sheets pull your outline sheet out. It has nothing on it okay for those of you who have to have blanks filled in, just go to somebody for prayer afterwards, okay? We'll help you through the week. So what I'm going to try to do is, um, if you have a Bible, do you guys still do Bibles? You still do Bibles? Okay. Yeah, it's your, your PDA or whatever. That's what mine is. My iPhone is my Bible. But uh, pull those out. We're going to put them on the screen. And then also, uh, for some of the highlights, for the points, I'm going to use a whiteboard here, a, a technical whiteboard, to kind of scribble some things out so that we kind of get it together. So it'll be kind of, kind of scattered, but we'll pull it together. It's going to be simple, but not easy. Okay, say that together. Simple, but not easy. All right, let's read the scriptures. Galatians 6 and uh, verse 1. Actually, I wanted to say something else before we got there. Can I, can I do that? Can we wait on that just a minute? Do you ever get tired of doing good? Anybody ever get tired of doing good? Anybody ever heard of Emmett Smith? Anybody ever heard of Emmett Smith? He was a football player, Dallas Cowboys. He was played at one of the Florida schools. I don't know which one. They're all alike, you know. And uh, his first game in the NFL was September the 9th, 1990. And uh, his first run was very memorable. He went for one yard. And then his second run was equally memorable. He went for another yard. And if you read, that was his last run of the game. And if you read the box score, you would say that Emmett Smith ran for two yards. Kind of a slow start. But if you fast forwarded 12 years, October 26, 2002, he broke Walter Payton's all-time rushing record of 16,726 yards. Emmett Smith wasn't the biggest thing coming out of college. He wasn't the fastest thing. But he was consistent. He was steady. He never gave up, never quit doing the right thing, running uh, as fast as he could uh, toward the goal line. And uh, as I thought about Emmett Smith, I thought about my life. Sometimes I, I get tired of doing good. I was, I was with one of the kids. I can't remember which one. It was either Miles or Addison. And uh, I can remember we were going somewhere, and I said, guys, now – Today, you got to remember to be good. Look Papa in the eyes. Got to remember to 
be good. And, and I could just see in the, in, in the look in that moment, there was one of these, ain't going to happen. I've been being good all day. I've been, this has been like a be good week. I'm just going to bust out, you know. You ever feel like just busting out? Sometimes it's when you get to, you know, one of those zero ages, you know, a new fresh zero, 40, 50, 60, 30, whatever it happens to be. You go, I'm just going to bust out. I'm just tired of being good, doing good. Some of you have thought of that. Can I save you some, some grief and pain as a pastor? I've had to clean up those messes from time to time. It's, it's not good. It can end okay, but it's not good. You don't want to do that. Sometimes it has to do with exercise or health or, or, or just making choices, and you go, I'm just tired of being good. And Paul, um, he, in this whole letter, he's been telling Galatians not to go back under the law. Instead, they're to submit themselves to the law of love, do good to everybody. But he knows that even that can get tiring. So he warns them to watch out for goodness fatigue. So let me just read Galatians 6, uh, 1 and 2. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, if another Christian is overcome by some sin, in other words, if, if somebody gets tired of doing good, he says, you who are godly, let's just do a check here. How many of you are godly? Okay, let, let me explain. If you are in Christ, if you are in Christ, then you're godly. How many of you are godly? Okay. All right, so you qualify for this. Look at this. He says, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path, the one that was tired of doing good, and so he fell in sin, or she did. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's troubles and problems, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. Don't go under the law of the Old Testament. He says, come under the law of Christ, which is the law of love, in verse 9. So don't get tired of doing what is good. Don't get discouraged and give up, for we will reap a harvest of blessing at the appropriate time. All right, let's jump in. How do you obey the law of Christ? We need three very simple things, very simple things. Number one, do good. Do good. It says don't get tired of doing what is good. Would you agree with me that you've got to start doing good before you can get tired of doing good? Anybody kind of, you know, <laughs> I'm tired. You know, well, you haven't done anything, you know. You've got to start doing good. You've got to do good before you can actually get tired of doing good. You know, you can be as sincere as possible. But if you don't learn how to do something well, you'll never be successful. You know, you might be sincere about the job that you're in. You might be sincere about your marriage. You might be sincere about raising kids. I've known men and women who were sincere about their ministry opportunities. Nice people. But they didn't know the good things. They didn't know what, what it took. Sometimes they spent their, their time sincerely on the wrong things. They thought they were doing right, but it wasn't good, and so it didn't propel them to where, to where they really needed to go or wanted to go. I was traveling, and uh, I was I was, you know, getting on a plane about every three three days, something like that. And at this point, I was in Belfast. I'd been in Europe for a while, and I was in Belfast. And I was leaving to go to England, 
And uh, so I got to the airport in time. And uh, I'm, you know, check some of my luggage, but you got to carry on stuff. And I try to travel light, but people are loading me up with things to bring home and all this kind of stuff. You got all that. And then I happen to think when I'm there, I've, I haven't gotten anything for the grandkids. Let's count them. How many do we have? Nine. Okay, I got nine of them. So I'm thinking I better buy something. It's at the airport. It's expensive at the airport. I'm relatively cheap personally. And uh, so I thought I'll just buy one little toy for each family and they can share. And then I came to my senses and bought nine little, you know, deals. Came off my wallet for about nine, nine things, $50. And um, so I got this whole bag. Part of it was I didn't want to carry another bag, so I got two or three bags and I'm carrying them. And so I start toward my gate and I see a, a Starbucks. And like I thought, I, I, it was like a Kairos moment. You know, it was like a God moment. I got to have one of those. Hadn't had one in a while. And so I went over and I got my tall, skinny decaf now, caramel macchiato, and I was going to sit down to just drink it, you know. I got my, all my packages down. Before I could get a drink, I heard the thing on the deal that says, uh, last call for, you know, whatever my flight was. I'm like, oh, my goodness. So I, I, I grabbed my, my package, and I grabbed my Starbucks, and I'm running down toward the deal. And I get there, and I look outside, and, and this is going somewhere. They, they didn't have a, you know, here in our airport, when you get on an airplane, they got this jet runway or whatever it is. Well, this one, they didn't have that. You have to go down outside. And it was cold. And the wind was blowing. And I learned in Europe that the weather changes all the time. And so you layer. And so I had a T-shirt on and a, you know, a shirt. And then a, I had this vest thing that you zip up the vest. And then I had a jacket outside of that. So I figured I, I needed to zip up the vest and the jacket. So, so I start to I put my stuff there. I put my Starbucks right here on the seat next to it. And I go to zip up my vest thing, and I zip, and, and it wouldn't come up. And, you know, the principle with me is if something doesn't work with a little bit of effort, just jerk on it a little bit. So I'm jerking on it, and I jerked on it. And have you ever had when you have the zipper, it's attached at the bottom, and you've got the zipper here, and then everything else is out? That's one of the most frustrating places to be. Because now you're trying to get it back down because it's not good, and jerking it up there. Last call for, you know, London. And so, and, and so, so I, one last jerk on it, and as I jerked, I knocked over the Starbucks all into the floor, and so I go down to pick that up, and I've got this wrapper around my neck, and it goes down into the Starbucks, so I pull that out and start sucking on it, because I'm thinking I'm not going to get any of that. And I was this close to using my bowling words that I've been cleansed of for years, and so I grab my stuff and I go in and I'm looking to, you know, I'm, I'm sure everybody's looking. Nobody is. But I go in and I put my stuff in the plane and I sit down. So I'm going to get this zipper and I, and I did it. And it was at that moment that I realized the problem is I had zipped the um, vest into the jacket. And you know what? It didn't matter how sincere I was, how much I thought I was doing the right thing. There was no amount of jerking on that zipper that was going to get that thing to work. Because you've got to learn to do it right. You've got to learn to do good if you're going to do well in life. You've got to learn to do good. So how do you do good? Well, in verses 2 through 7... 
It kind of tells us. It lists about five things. It says, first, you've got to help others, Galatians 6.2. It says, share each other's troubles and problems. And in this way, obey the law of Christ. So when somebody has an issue, a problem, we don't, we don't bury our wounded here. Uh, somebody falls into sin, we, we help them, and that's part of doing good. Uh, then it says, do your best without comparing. In verse 4, it says, be sure to do what you should, for then you will enjoy the personal satisfaction of having done your work well, and you won't need to compare yourselves to anyone else. What a powerful scripture that is. Every time you compare yourself to somebody else, you get in trouble. Your job, your job satisfaction goes just way down, nosedives, doesn't it? When you begin to look around, you go, well, I'm better than them. I deserve more. Or they're better than I am. I'll never get that. He says, just do your job. Just do it well. That's part of doing good. And don't look around. Take responsibility. Verse 5. For each one of us should carry his own load. Don't, don't, don't make it to where somebody else has to carry your part. Volunteer. Do whatever you're doing. You've got to carry your own load. And then be generous. Galatians 6.6. 6, Those who are taught the word of God should help their teachers by paying them. You need to be generous with with your pastors. You need to be generous with those who teach you in any area, those that serve you. Be generous, he says. That's doing good. Listen to God. Verse 7, don't be misled. Remember that you can't ignore God and get away with it. Anybody have a testimony on that? You know, ignoring God. He says you can't do it because you will reap what you sow. So there's five things. Help others. Do your best without comparing. Take responsibility. Be generous. Listen to God. Those are all kind of in that passage that says, hey, don't get weary in doing good. Don't get weary in doing good because blessings always follow obedience. So the first thing you got to do if you're going to fulfill the law of Christ is just do good. Figure out what good is and do it. Second thing you got to do is, listen, this is deep. Keep doing good. Keep doing good. He says, don't get weary in doing it. Have you ever um, have you ever had good intentions? Like maybe at church, you you uh, you know you heard something, God spoke to you, and you went, well, I'm going to do that every day. I'm gonna I'm just going to do that every day. You had great intentions and you didn't follow through. Anybody ever been there? Um, what's the key? It's systems. It's it's getting regular routines in your life that help you sustain doing good. It says, make doing good sustainable. Don't get tired in doing good. Systems. My wife is excellent at systems. We've been married for 35 years. Uh, she was my girlfriend for five years before that. It took me five years to talk her into marrying me. We were like six years old. And... Uh, <laughs> And we're, we're as opposite as can be, and it works. There's some ten, intense fellowship every once in a while, but it works. It works. And, you know, she, is, she just has systems naturally within her. I watch her. I, she just amazes me how, you know, uh, in her responsibilities with the kids, when, when they were growing up, she it didn't overwhelm her. She was systematic. She'd do the same thing over and over and over again. It worked. I see it with the grandkids now. I see it with her responsibilities at home. I see it with her responsibilities at work. She's steady. She's consistent. She gets it done. I'm the opposite of that. I'm just a mess. You know, I'm a very sincere, but I lose things. I mean, I just, I just do. And in fact, uh, for a long time, um, I would lose my keys whenever I was at home, and 
I'd go, I'd, I'd say to her, Deb, have you seen my keys? And she would answer and respond lovingly, no, they're probably the last place you left them, which was really helpful, really helpful. And so finally, over time, I said, how do you not ever lose your keys? I probably said something like, what's it like to be perfect? You know, and it led into some other stuff. But what, how do you not lose your keys? And she says, I put them the same place all the time. System. She learned to repeat good, to make good repeatable. And so we figured out a system. We went and bought a little hook, and we hung it on the same place inside there. And every day, I'm so proud of myself, for 10 years, I put my keys right there. And you know what? They're there when I'm ready to go. And I have not lost my keys for 10 years while I'm at home. <laughs> Systems. Systems. We've got to keep doing good. We've got to create a system of good. Regular rhythms of goodness. And what are the good things that we're, we should be repeating? Galatians 6.10. Whenever you have the opportunity, whenever you have the opportunity, if you don't have systems, you'll miss the opportunity. Whenever you have the opportunity, he says, we should do good to everyone, especially our Christian brothers and sisters. And so he has kind of a, a priority list there. And if you read Paul in other places, and we've talked about it before, the priority list is this. Our Christian brothers and sisters, our family, and then those outside of the faith. And you do it in that. A lot easier to get excited about doing good to somebody in Africa. Would you agree with that? Or, you know, that live somewhere else. He says, no, let's start right here. Let's start at home. Let's start within our Christian family, and then we'll, we'll work our way, way out from there. You've got to learn to do good. How do you do that? How do you make it repeatable? It's with regular rhythms. In Jesus' life, who was our example of everything, um, looks like I have some dots here. That's interesting. Let me clean that up for you just a second. Ooh, that's cool. All right, so with Jesus, we see regular rhythms in his life, and he's our example. Some of you have seen us use this just a little bit. It's a triangle. Jesus lived his life in three dimensions. He lived it in an up dimension. He lived it in an in dimension and an out dimension. If you'd study his life, he had regular kind of systematic times that he spent time with his father. You know, he'd go to prayer. He'd have fasting times or he'd slip away from time to time because he knew that's where his source of strength was from. He knew that he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so he had a regular rhythm of up in his life. And then the rhythm of in had to do with his disciples and and his friends and those he hung with. And and he would spend time with them. He would teach them. He would also have fun. They'd go fishing or they'd have a cookout or whatever. And so there there was this in regular rhythms of his life. And then, and then, then the out was his ministry to the world. And uh, he didn't, you know, he wasn't imbalanced where he only did these, or he only did this, but he lived a balanced life. He was systematic in what he did. He had an up, in, and out. And as you read the Gospels, you begin to see more of that. Well, as, if, as we begin to think about that, we begin to think, what, is, what are the rhythms of a fully devoted follower of Christ who is concerned about their relationship with God, their relationship with their family, their friends, 
those in their small group, but also care about the world because they know that they have been sent as missionaries, that we have a purpose in life. We're not just saved so that we can wait around for a rapture someday for God to take us out of here and clean this whole thing up. Do I think that'll happen? Yeah, but I think that I've got a purpose in life until then. And it's to restore and redeem all things to the Lord. And so and so rhythms. And so here's what we did. And I'm going to challenge you as a church. I think this is, again, simple. I think it's profound. I don't think it's easy, but I think it's transformationally for each one of us, and it could transform our communities and our world that we've been called to to, uh, to influence. And, and, and it's ar- around this word right here. It's the word bless. God has called us to be a blessing. We have uh, inherited, according to the word, the, the blessing of Abraham. We talked about that during this series. And the blessing of Abraham was that God was going to make him a nation so that, that, that God could bless him, that nation, that it would be a blessing to all people. God's blessings in our life are never to be uh, kind of a reservoir just for us, but it's to be a channel of blessing to other people. If you have been blessed financially, relationally, in any other way, the purpose of God blessing you is so that you can be a blessing to others. That's what it's about. Okay? And so we're to live a life of blessing. So what we did is we, we sat and we thought, what are some rhythms that all of us could live that would be systematic so that it, re, it would make good repeatable? And so I want to give them to you. Okay? I want to challenge you with this. The first one, B, is bless. Um, that we are to bless people with our words, our attitudes, our actions, our resources. Okay? But that's what we are called to do, to be a blessing. And what I want to do is I want to say, how many of you think that would be a good idea? How many of you think the world would be a better place if everybody in Seacoast every week was to bless somebody else? You think so? Okay. Back here in the back, they are not buying this. So I want you guys to look at them, and I want you to bless them before they leave. Will you do that? Just bless them before they leave. Yeah. So here's what I want to challenge you with. I want to challenge you with bless times three. What does that mean? That means every week, I challenge you, I'm going to do this myself, I challenge you to bless someone in your family, someone in the body of Christ, your group, whatever, small group, missional community, your church, and somebody in the world. Just bless them. Just bless them. There are all kinds of ways to do that. I mean, you can send an email. You can... Uh, Send them a little gift. You can call. You can, um, you know, we, we had this uh, card that we gave away a few weeks ago. Remember that? That on one side it said something about God loves you and I want to be a blessing to you. On the other side it had kind of an address to the church. We may have some more of those around. We challenge you just to, you know, tip ec- extra special and give that to your, your waiter or waitress. Or, or maybe to buy somebody's, you know, uh, as you're going through a fast food restaurant, say, hey, what's the car behind me? Let me just buy that and give them this and tell them, God, lo- God loves you. I love to go. I did uh, yesterday or day before go through a drive-through, and uh, and tip the person in the window. You know, I think I had a like a dollar and a half drink or something, and I gave him another dollar and a half, gave him three dollars or something, and just to watch him go. Here, this is no, this is your change. No, you keep it. No, no, you don't do that in a drive-through. No, 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 really. 
bless you, bless you. Whatever it happens to be, it doesn't have to always be about money. But I want to challenge you to bless times three. Does that make sense? Okay, here's a second repeatable rhythm. And it's listen. Listen times three. Now, if you know that one of the reasons that God gave you two ears and one mouth was as a daily reminder as you look in the mirror that you're supposed to use these twice as much as you use this. How do you think that would help in your marriage? Okay. All right. Yeah. Listen. So I want to challenge you to listen to three, three different people, three different things. Listen, number one, to God. Listen to God. You know, God wants to speak to you. Um, but we have to slow down enough to listen to God. So I want to challenge you, spend an hour a week listening to God. What is that? Less than 10 minutes a day. Hour a week listening to God. For some people, that, that works by, before you sit down and read your Bible, that you just say, God, just speak to me through this, and something jumps out, and you just meditate on that. For others, it's, it's everyday kairos moments. It's those times when God breaks into our life, and some of us are learning to go through kind of a learning circle as we process what God is saying. It might be that way. It might be journaling, you know, just getting a little journal. Maybe it's an electronic journal or maybe it's an analog journal that you just write in and you just write, write your prayers to God or write what you think God may be leading you or directing you, but just taking time to listen. How do you think that if you take one hour a week just to listen to God, that the quality of your life would probably be better? Do you agree with that? Okay. Listen times one. Times two is listen to yourself. Listen to yourself. The self-talk that you do. Do you, do, you, do you talk to yourself or am I the only one that does that? You know, do, do you ever put yourself down? Anybody ever put yourself down? Yeah. Did you know that that's not God? Did you know that that's not God's will for you? Did you know when that happens, you need to put horns on it because it's the enemy of your soul accusing you, accusing you. So what you do is you listen to your own talk and you go, you know what, I'm going to line this up to what God says about me and spend some time doing that. I'm going to line up my thoughts in fact, uh, here it is. It's, it's in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. It says, um, here's what you're supposed to think on. Fix your thoughts on things that are good, pure, of good report. If anything is praiseworthy, think about these things. And so this is just a practical application of that. As In our daily life, we're capturing our thoughts and we're thinking, or we're monitoring, we're listening to what I'm thinking. And then the times three is listening to other people, listening to other people and helping them to do the same thing. You know, if you've got a friend that they're constantly putting themselves down or they're saying things about other people and you've got a close relationship with them, as we listen, we go, you know what, that's not what the gospel says. This is obeying the law of Christ. The law of Christ says love your neighbor as yourself. Remember, Chip taught about that a little bit. And and that um, in order to do that, you've got to, Love yourself. You've got to love yourself as God loves you. And then you've got to communicate that to your neighbor. So it's listening to each other also. Okay, you are absolutely going to love the next one. Okay, it, this may be the most powerful thing I've ever preached, and you're going to love it. Here it is. Let's eat. Okay. How many of you are willing to include that in the rhythms of doing good in your life? Are you willing to? How do you eat on a regular basis? I have to eat quite a bit to keep my weight up. To, to be honest with you, I've, I've, got, I've got to eat quite a bit. Well, we all eat. Uh, the other day, uh, Debbie and I, 
a few weeks ago, we were invited by some of our Jewish friends here in the uh, Charleston community uh, to go to a, a Shabbat dinner, a Sabbath dinner on a Friday night. And so we did. It was, it was awesome. It was three hours of eating, which that's good any, just in any setting, that's good. But it was eating with a purpose. The, the, the whole meal was woven with scripture and with singing, and, 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 and it was instituted, you know, a couple thousand years ago, even more than that, about 4,000 years ago, as a way for the Jewish people to pass down what they know about God to their children. There were kids involved and just really a, a cool deal. And as, as I left, I thought, you know, Judaism is an eating religion. It's, I mean, there are feasts and there's a once a month meal, and, or I mean once a week meal and all that just full of meaning. And then Christianity, which sprung off of Judaism, is an eating religion. Um, the, the Passover meal was changed to be the, the Lord's Supper and and, uh, and then there's all kinds of, down through the years, the church has celebrated feasting. And, you know, we have, don't, you know, I mean, don't write me notes on this, because I think I'm right on it. I don't know. I might not be. Just give me some grace. But we, we've taken this whole kind of eating, celebrating thing, and we've eliminated it down to like this, a little wafer and a, a little grape juice and, you know, celebrating the Lord's Supper, which we do, and there's meaning in that. But if you look in the, in the Word, there, the context of that was a meal. It was a people having a love feast together. And in 1 Corinthians, they so abused it because they were selfish, but then they threw it out of the church in the early centuries. They were to sit down and eat together. You know, being in, growing up in a small church, one of the things I really looked forward to was oftentimes we'd have eating on the grounds on Sunday afternoon where we'd have potluck. Now, potluck is like... I didn't usually get lucky, you know, with the pots that I would get in, you know, but, but there's this eating thing, eating, eating, eating. So I want to challenge you to redeem your eating. How many of you, you eat about 21 meals a week. Would you agree with that? About 21. Some of you, a little more than that, but 21, 21. So how about redeeming three of these? Three of these. One of them, you make a commitment, I'm going to eat with my family. We're going to have a family. We don't miss this. We're going to have a family meal. We eat with our family. Number two, I'm going to eat with my Christian family, my Christian family, my small group, a part of my small group, whatever. I'm going to eat every week. I'm going to eat with them. And number three, I'm going to eat with those outside of the faith, outside of the faith. Now, it doesn't count if they go to another church. And we're not trying to get them from that church into ours, okay? That's a sickness of the American church. Being in Europe... Doesn't happen. It's a sickness of the American church. We move from church to church to church. We're consumers, and we just consume, and I've got a whole message on that. It's not what we're talking about. We're talking about those that maybe have fallen away or outside of the faith. Make an effort. I'm going to eat with them. I'm going to eat with them once a week. I'm going to eat with them. Okay? All right? Let's go on to the next one. Next one is study. Times, guess how many? There you go. Study times three. We're called disciples, okay? We're disciples. Disciples are learners. What do we study? Number one, study the life of Christ. Who are we trying to be like? Jesus. It's the law of love. It's Jesus' law, okay? So how are we going to know about it? We study. Where do, you, where do we find the story of Jesus? First four, first four 
chapters of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the study of Jesus. So I want to challenge you every day to study a little bit of the gospel, a little bit of the gospel. Then times two is to study another part of the Bible, okay? Like during this series, we ask you to read Galatians. Maybe it's, you know, the wisdom books of Proverbs and on, but studying a little bit of each one of them. And then the third times three is just reading a book, any kind of book. doesn't have to be a Christian book, just to stimulate your thinking so that you're growing and you're learning, doing good, doing good, learning to make good repeatable. And then the third or, or the last S is serve times three. You have a habit of serving. Here's what I'd love to see. I'd love to see at Seacoast, there's about 10,000, 12,000 of us right now, all the campuses, believe in God for 20,000 people this Easter and 1,000 people are going to come to know Jesus. I'd love for you to be praying about that. But wouldn't it be cool if every one of us served in this way, times three, served in the church at least once a month, at least once a month. doesn't have to be a whole long time, but it's like, you know, taking your turn, caring for the kids or parking cars in the parking lot or greeting people as they come in or all, any of the number of other things that go on. That If we all did it, then a few people wouldn't feel burdened, right? A few people wouldn't get tired of doing all the good, right? Everybody. That's been my goal from day one. So we all serve in the church once a month, uh, in the community at least once a quarter, that our community knows that we, we care about the community. It's not just about what happens in here. We love this city. We love the cities that we're in, and we serve in the community at least once, once a quarter. And then in the world, once a year, that's kind of what I did this last couple of weeks. It's, it's kind of my, using my gift somewhere else besides right here in, in America. And so serving. So the rhythm is to bless times three, listen times three, eat times three, study times three, serve times three. Do you think that's achievable? Do you? Do you think maybe, do you think maybe that uh, the kingdom of God would be blessed, that your family would be blessed, the world that we live in, the neighborhoods would be blessed? If we did that? I do. I do. And so I want to challenge you as a pastor to do that. So, all right, all right. Now, I, I've got one more. We, uh, what we've got to do is we, if we're going to fulfill the law of Christ, we've got to do good, then we've got to, Keep doing good. And here's the third one. It's deep. Don't quit. Don't quit. What causes us to quit? Galatians 6, 9. Don't get discouraged and give up. Anybody ever been so discouraged that something you wanted to quit? You know, I um, discouragement will rob you of God's God's blessing. I, I, I teach a lot to pastors and... Um, I, I tell them that discouragement is the occupational hazard of ministry. It really is. If you're going to be in ministry, you're going to get discouraged. You've got to learn to deal with it so that you don't quit. What's that got to do with you? Hey, we're all in ministry. In fact, f- the way I read the Bible, we're all in full-time ministry. All of us. In fact, some of us are in vocational ministry. The only difference between those of us in vocational ministry and those of us who aren't is that we're paid to be good. You're good for nothing. Okay, that's just the only difference. It's the only difference. You saw that coming, didn't you? So you've got to learn to deal with discouragement. What causes discouragement? When, we want, when what we want doesn't happen when we think it should. When we're praying about something. I've got a note this week. Somebody just ready to quit. I just quit. And they're praying about something that's serious. 
They haven't gotten the answer yet, but here's the deal. The key word is yet. Yet. But what we do is when, when it doesn't happen on our terms, it's not yet, we quit. But the yet's not done. There's a lifetime yet. There's an eternity for God to respond in the way that's best for us. When you don't see progress in yourself, you want to quit. When you don't see progress in your marriage, they say that 50% of the marriages in America are ending in discouragement. They quit. When you don't see progress in your kids or you don't see it in your ministry, you don't see it in your career, then you go, well, I might as well quit. But here's the problem. There is a payoff if you keep doing good. Last part of verse 9. For we will reap a harvest of blessing. When? At the appropriate time. When is the appropriate time? I don't know. That's God's deal. See, in this scripture... There's kind of four parts to it. Don't be weary in doing good. For in due season you will reap a harvest if you don't quit. There's four parts there. Two of them are yours, two of them are God's. And you've got to keep those straight. Because if you get them mixed up, you'll get frustrated. What are your, your two parts? To do good and not quit. Do good. Keep doing good. Don't quit. What's God's parts? The harvest and the timing of the harvest. Okay? So all I've got to do is figure out how to do good, make it repeatable, and just not quit. And if I will do that, God says he will bring a harvest of blessing. And if God says it, it's going to happen. And it will be at the appropriate time, at the right time. You quit stressing over timing and just do what you can. Boy, that's good preaching, even if it's a little bit jet lag. All right. I like applause even if it's cheap. So what's the best way to assure that you won't quit? What's the best way? Accountability. Enlist somebody to help. Last verse. It's going to say on your outline sheet, but it's not there. Ecclesiastes 4.9. I love this one. This one is so packed with such good stuff. It says two people can accomplish more than twice as much as one. Did you get that? It's not like, okay, this guy can do this much, this guy can do this much. If you add this plus this, you get this. No. It says this guy can do this much, this guy can do this much. You add them together and you get this plus a bunch. They can do more than twice as much as one alone. They get a better return for their labor. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But people who are alone when they fall are in real trouble. And on a cold night, Two under the same blanket can gain warmth from each other. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. And listen to this. Three are even better. For a triple braided cord is not easily broken. If you want to do good, keep doing good, and not quit, and you're serious about it, then you'll get some help. And you get at least two people, and the best thing is to have three because it says you can't break a triple braided cord. So I want to challenge each one of you, everybody in here, everybody that's listening right now on a campus, I want to challenge you to find your two or three. I want to challenge you to find your three, find your three, and to say this, you know what? I'm committed to the purposes of God in my life. I'm committed to fulfilling the gospel of Christ, to obeying the gospel of Christ, to doing good. I want you to help me. Would you hold me accountable for the rhythms of blessing? 
Would you, this is what I want to do. Would you, would you just ask me questions? How you doing in blessed times three? How you doing in listening? How you doing in eating with a purpose? How you doing in study? How you doing in serving? You know what? I believe if we do that, if we all did that, if we all did that, I believe that our families would be better. I believe that our neighborhoods would improve. I believe that our churches would just explode with the goodness of God. And I believe that God's kingdom would come and his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. How many of you are willing to join? Are you willing to take the blessing challenge? How many of you are willing to go, okay, I'm going to step up and I'm going to be a person of blessing? Anybody in here? Anybody want to do that? All right, all right. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you. I thank you for your kingdom. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the law of Jesus, the law of love. God, now I pray that you would take what we taught today, that you would ingrain it in our hearts. Lord, you know our response. You know what it needs to be. And God, I just pray that you would speak to us in this response time. Um, What are you asking from me and what am I going to do about it? In Jesus' name we pray.